welcome in to the newest edition of Caught Stealing, the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am Colby Conway at Colby R. Conway over on X, formerly known as Twitter. And with me here, as always, Matt Sells at the Sellsman. Matt, it should have been a pretty good weekend for you outside of the, the baseball realm with your team making it to the to the Super Bowl. So congratulations. That's the what fourth fourth and out of the last five years? Yeah. Yeah. Um, pretty, pretty impressive. I think they, they've made six straight AFC championship games. They lost the first one to Tom Brady, uh, and then they lost to Burrow a couple of years ago when it was the Bengals Rams. So, you know, it's weird because I, I grew up hating the Patriots and their dynasty and now the, <laughs> the Chiefs have reached that level. Plus there's obviously the weird Taylor Swift hate for whatever reason. I don't know. Um, but then my favorite baseball team made a weird decision to retire one of the best City Connect jerseys. Did you see this? The Nats it did not. announced their new lineup. And A, there's no Curly W. B, there's no red on basically any of them. And C, they're retiring the City Connects, which are the gray with the cherry blossoms, which look mm. awesome. Just weird decisions all around. And then they signed Joey Gallo, which was another weird decision. <laughs> so it's a good thing the Chiefs won. Is what I'm hearing. Yeah, plus my EPL teams lost or drew all week. Like, yeah, it was the Chiefs were good. They made up for it. Oh, hey, you'll you'll take that. Yeah, I wrote up the uh, the Joey Gallo acquisition there over in the MLB free agent tracker that you can check out over at fantasyalarm.com. And ultimately, here's what it is with Gallo. We don't have to dive too much into it, but Washington knows exactly what they're getting. Yes, everyone in the league knows exactly what Washington's getting. You'll get a good bit of home runs. You're going to get a crappy batting average, a crap ton of strikeouts. And if your league values OBP, you can stomach Gallo a little bit more. Right. He's like the best three true outcome hitter in baseball. Not the best, but like the best example of three true outcomes in, in baseball, right? He's either going to homer or he's going to strike out or he's going to walk. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> no, I think I think at one point last year, he had more homers than singles. I think that sounds about right. It was like nine homers and eight singles. <laughs> it was bizarre. But, I mean, the Nats are only using him as a stopgap until they get their young guys up like James Wood, Dylan Cruz in the outfield, um, and Johander uh, at probably first base. He's playing third right now, but he's probably going to come up as a first baseman, I would guess, because there's nobody at first in their system. Brady House at third base. So they're really only using Gallo as a one, maybe a two-year stopgap. Yep, and Gallo, just for the record, last year struck out just under 43% of the time, and he's hit below the Mendoza line for not one, not two, not three, four straight seasons. So he's the opposite of Chris with a K Davis, who hit exactly 247 for four straight years. He is consistently bad in that department, but he's consistent. So there is that. But, Matt, there were a couple of other deals that we should talk about here. One – one is very, both are very intriguing for fantasy purposes, albeit in different manners. So let's start with this. Reese Hoskins goes to Milwaukee. Jake Bowers now heads to the bench. Uh, player capsules, if you know those here at Fantasy Alarm, when you click on players, you'll get like that write-up for the upcoming year. Uh, we've been working on those. I wrote up uh, the Jake Bowers one, saying that he'd be a nice, cheap source of power in NL-only formats, just to have to completely basically say, unless something happens to Reese Hoskins, he will no longer be a cheap source of power but Hoskins is going to step right in first place first base excuse me play every day he's going to hit in the heart of the lineup 
And overall, it's a good home park for him, just like he had in Philly. So just how high is the fantasy value for Hoskins this year? Because the, the Milwaukee lineup may not have some of the big names that Hoskins was playing with in Philly, but there's a lot okay. of individual pieces I really like in that lineup. Yeah, like Yelich is now a shell of him, his former self, right? But you've got a couple of really good young outfielders. If Garrett Mitchell is healthy, pretty good. Jackson Churio should be up from the jump because he signed a deal. Um, you know, you've got some good middle infield help there as well. Um, so it's not a sexy lineup. It is a good home park, and Hoskins can hit anywhere. Now, here's the inter- – so where are you grading him in terms of first – Basement, are you putting him in the guest inside the top 10? Uh, that's a good question. So let's look here. Let's go over to Bryce is now a first baseman, correct? Right? So you've added him. So you've got Bryce, you've got Freddie Freeman, you've got Matt Olson. Um, obviously, let's just put Hoskins in there, not saying he's fourth, but right, so we don't forget him. Well. Take a look here. So dating back to January 1st, so obviously this is also the majority of it is pre-Hoskins going to right. Milwaukee. Hoskins Correct. was the first baseman number 20. So he's much higher than that now. So we look at it here. Top 10, Freddie Freeman, Matt Olson, Bryce Harper, Pete Alonzo, Vlad Jr., Cody Bellinger, Paul Goldschmidt, Christian Walker, Tristan Casas, Spencer Steer. I'm not putting Hoskins above any of those 10. Correct. I'm also very bullish on Casas and Steer. So... Oh, I love also, I, I okay. love Spencer okay. Steer too. I would put okay. him ahead of Casas. But that's what was your what was your thing for him last year? He was running so much. Yeah, was he was with a deer, back. running he like also, a deer. By the way, depends on your league settings. But if even right. in a twenty team league, he already qualifies at first, third, corner, and outfield. And yep. if you're in a fifteen teamer, you can add middle and I think second mm-hmm. uh, to it. So like, <laughs> yeah, he fits basically everywhere but catcher. Yep. Um, and you're going to get pop in Cincinnati and you're going to get steals and they're not taking him out of the lineup because he plays everywhere. So even though they signed a boatload of people still, he's still going to play. Um, yep. Yep. yeah, I would say, I would say Hoskins is in the eight to 11 range. So if we look lately, the last couple drafts here at NFBC going around pick 150 to 160. So that actually puts him up at, First baseman puts him right around number 16. So here, here are the guys who he's currently behind as he tries to inch towards first base to the top 10. So let's go right. ahead this way. All right, actually, let's do it the other way. Spencer Steer is 10. I'm still putting Steer above Hoskins. Yes. Number 11 is Torkelson. He had a big year last year. He did. He hit like 30 bombs. I think I might go. I think I think I think Torkelson's going to get drafted above Hoskins. His ADP is going to remain higher. Hoskins above Torkelson, though. I would too, because ready for this behind him, Yandy Diaz. I'm taking Hoskins. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have Salvador Perez because he gets first base. I'm going to throw him to the side for now. I'm taking Hoskins ahead of Josh Naylor. I'm taking Hoskins ahead of Christian Encarnacion Strand. Yes, I would so, take him. I would take him at 11 right now. But you can make an argument to put him ahead of Casas. Go like Hoskins, mm-hmm. Steer, Casas. Mm-hmm. I put him in the eight to eleven range. I'm not th- like, and the belly thing. I guess it depends on your league, right? Because he didn't play that much first base 
It's just what right. NFBC yeah. has there. So they have him slotted at first, but I mean, he's going to go way above. I think, I think the conversation legitimately starts at 10 for yeah, Hoskins. I'm just curious how many games Bellinger actually played at first base for the Cubs last year, because again, this is going to come down to um, like your league format and how many games it takes. NFBC has him at 59 at first. 59 games at first base last year? I don't know. 84 in the outfield. Yeah. Yeah, they split pretty evenly. So that's – he's so. not moving off of first. <laughs> yeah. Well, he is now. <laughs> Depends yep. on where he signs. But but Hoskins, he's moving up. That's the other thing. Are you concerned because Bellinger hasn't signed yet? So does that knock not, him down a little bit? I mean, maybe. But when you already look at, like, the ADP, he was already going about 20-ish picks ahead of Goldschmidt on average. So, like, no – I'm not. Con- there are there are other free agents that yeah. haven't signed that I am way more concerned about. Uh, there was a question in the Discord about it, and I gave some insight as to why I'm worried about it. The one I'm not going to dive into it this week because we'll keep things moving. But I I am very hesitant right now in drafting Blake Snell until I know where he goes. He is the one Agreed. I am very if very interested in. The Bronx, spot. I'm not touching him. Regression is already coming his way. He walked five dudes per nine innings last year. Hey, hey, this isn't the Snell week. This isn't the Snell. This isn't the Snell episode. The Snell show. We'll get into the Snell show, and it's going to get that, he was that episode eight weeks and won a Cy Young because of it. Well, hey, we all have our we all have our reasons for potentially not drafting him, but we'll we'll dive into that there. But yeah, I think for Hoskins, conversation starts around honestly first base 10 or 11 i'm definitely taking him above yandy diaz sal perez josh naylor christian encarnacio and strand alec bohm uh popular sleeper pick of mine this year Vinny pasquantino check out the fantasy alarm now, draft guide for right up there i will say if this next guy we're about to talk about does come up i'll put torkelson ahead of Hoskins. all right well let's get into that so the detroit tigers are making can i can i call it making money moves like for them it's kind of a I mean, it's move. impressive, right? Yeah, let's talk about it. Colt Keith. Recently. We talked about Colt Keith last year. We were hoping, if I'm not mistaken, we were hoping that he was going to be a late-season call-up, just get a little cup of tea or a cup of coffee, whatever your preferred morning drink is, and see what happens with Keith at the Major League level. But if there were any questions about where he begins the season now, I think those questions have been answered, at least for the most part. So talk about Colt Keith inking a multi-year deal with the Detroit Tigers. Yeah, it's a six-year deal with a couple of option years at the end of it. So that's impressive. Um, I'm really liking seeing these smaller market teams ink these long-term deals with prospects who have yet to come up, right? We saw Jackson Churios had a record-breaking deal, eight years, 70-something million with the Brewers without making it up yet. Uh, Colt Keith was on the verge of getting called up last year. Like, he's got nothing left to prove in the minors. His uh, 2023 season between double-A AA and triple-A was really impressive. Um, and it's going to be very interesting to see what people do in fantasy because he qualifies at both second and third in most formats. He has the bat to carry him at third and has a very big bat for second base. He's going to hit for average. He's got pop. He's going to steal some bags for you. He's basically like a middle-of-the-order type hitter for uh, Detroit. Now, is he going to hit the ground running and be like a 330-30 guy right off the bat? No. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) There's going to be – it's a prospect. 
gonna take some you know, maybe he starts out hot everybody's like oh and then people start throwing him curveballs and he doesn't know what to do with them right um we we've we've seen that happen just look at ellie de la cruz who crushed the first two weeks of fastballs he got and then people started figuring out hey just throw the guy off speed and breaking pitches until he figures out how to hit it and then mm-hmm. now there's all this talk about is that guy any good well yes uh, so Colt Keith will be up, I would expect, for opening day. They have nobody blocking him on the major league level at either of those positions. Um, so very exciting. I'm not going to go hog wild and take him as like a top 10 second base guy or top 10 third base guy. Um, but as a value proposition, it's hard to overlook Colt Keith and what he could bring to the table. Because, again... People are afraid of Detroit's home park. Torkelson hit 30 bombs last year, right? Miggy is going to be a Hall of Famer in like five years, played most of his career in cavernous Detroit and still put up MVP numbers. Mm-hmm. Guys who can hit are going to hit anywhere. So um, that's, yeah. I, I don't know that you get a better value prop than Colt Keith right now. Let me ask you this because I'm looking – I just know from my DFS adventures last year, looking at player props, Detroit does have Andy Abanez on the bench. We yeah. know that he was a southpaw killer. When Detroit faced lefties, you really liked slotting Andy Abanez in there. He was also cheap. I understand it wasn't just that he hit lefties well. Is there any chance, and it's apples to oranges, but seeing how Torkelson had some struggles early on, again, not necessarily splits-wise, is there... Any concern or thought in your mind that the Tigers maybe early on protect Keith against lefties? He hit them well in the minors. So I'm just kind of asking, young kid, MLB debuts coming up first year, do they try to protect them against left-handed pitching? I mean... Or do they try to let him go out there and try to figure out, and if he struggles early, then protect him a little bit and give him some time? How do you think that plays out? I mean, it's possible, but I I don't know. I think they're at the point where they've got to start developing their guys and start opening the window in what is a trash division. I'm sorry, AL Central, oh, cool. but <laughs> I mean, no, I, I, I'm, I'm, not dis- I'm not disagreeing with you. They get you excited. Like somebody's going to have to win this, right? It's like the NFC South of mm. of baseball. Right, like somebody's going to have to win it. They may be eighty-one and eighty-one. Yeah, you can't tempt. Like, honestly, the, the Tigers are kind of exciting. I mean, yeah, with how many times Javi Baez is actually going to make contact with a baseball? Like, but I mean, you could argue they're the most exciting. Team. Out for, I mean, Javi Baez didn't strike out for six straight games last year, and it was an it was a career best mark. I mean, I'm just telling you. I mean, come on. So, I don't know. It's interesting, though, because you make the argument, like, are they going to protect him? But then you look at all their, like, other lefty bats and, like, Zach McKinstry, who's penciled in as the starting third baseman, is also a lefty. Uh, Colt Keith, starting second baseman, is a lefty. Riley Green is a lefty. Carrie Carpenter is a lefty. So, like, if you take some people out against lefties who – you know, so, and even if they platoon him, you're still getting like 80% of the at-bats. Yeah. So, I think you're going to be fine with, 
I think it'd be fine with Cole Keith. Let me ask you this as we wrap it up on him and move to what we promised we would talk folks about last week. Yes. Higher or lower, Colt Keith, 2024, two, 249 and a half batting average. Higher. 14 and a half home runs. Higher. 15 and a half home runs. I'd say. That was a good one. That's what I should have. I should have came out with that line. I would say 15 is probably what I would, what I would expect. Yep. And then. I mean, mean, so across double A and triple A last year, he combined over, what is that? 146 games to mm -hmm. hit 27 homers with 88 runs, 101 RBI. And he hit, I mean, he's not going to hit like the 290 mark that he hit for yeah. in the minors. But could he hit 260? Yeah, he could hit 260. So 260, 15 homers and 70 plus runs in RBIs? Maybe 60 each runs in RBIs? But still pretty darn good. I mean, his his ADP right now is obviously going to rise now with this news. But right. let's see, a couple of recent drafts. I mean, he's still going outside of pick. Like his his min pick is two eleven, which came a while back, like early early in yeah, the I'm off season. But you're gonna get him anywhere close to that. Since January, since January first, his min pick is two fifty six in NFBC. I will be jumping all over that if he is still available at that point. Which in the coming weeks he won't be. We know it. It's a pipe dream. But if you draft early, Colt Keith's your guy. Yeah. Easy enough. So those are some of the recent signs. Make sure you head over to fantasyalarm.com. Check out the MLB free agent tracker. All the free agent signings, I am writing them up, or Matt is jumping in as well. We are getting them written up. It is updated. And if you haven't seen, the 2024 Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide is available. Go check it out at fantasyalarm.com. If you're an all-pro subscriber, guess what? You get immediate access. It is free. If you're not an all-pro subscriber, you don't want to join and talk to us in the Discord. Maybe you have a vendetta against Matt. Maybe you hate the Houston Texans and Pittsburgh Pirates, and you just don't want my insight. Don't worry about joining the Discord. You can buy the draft guide itself per the site. One-time payment, $24.69. So go check that out. And guess what, Matt? What's better than one cheat sheet? Two cheat sheets, seasonal baseball and best ball. If you're over on Underdog and FBC doing best ball drafts, we have a cheat sheet there for you. Howard Bender is crushing that work there as well for seasonal fantasy baseball. We have you covered there. But of course, we'd love to see in the Discord. We'll answer all your questions throughout the season. Happy to help there. But Matt, last week when I was in the Airbnb in South Carolina with minimal to no Wi-Fi, and we somehow made it through with minimal disruption. So if there were some issues, I do apologize. That would have definitely been on my end there but we talked about last week that you could expect us to talk about expected statistics in this week's segment of getting back to the fantasy baseball mindset matt for fantasy football there's expected you know fantasy points in football there's you know you got the average depth of targets you got the yards per route run you got all the expected numbers but perhaps fantasy baseball utilizes expected statistics the most and you might see those beautiful acronyms xba x slug X Woba, anything with X in front of it. You go to baseball savant, you'll see X home runs for expected home runs that players will hit. So Matt, let's it's talk also the about the tastiest one. You left the tastiest one. Oh, which one did I leave out? X Woe Bacon. Oh, that's which right. Is X Woe Bacon. Yes, I like Woe yeah. Bacon better. I know. Yeah, I'm Woe sure Bacon is definitely tasty, right? 
Yeah, definitely, definitely Everybody a tastier it. sounding name. But <laughs> check, there's a lot to go there. So let's start with this, Matt. I'll I'll defer to you first after I get off my soapbox here. But how do you use expected statistics for fantasy baseball, whether it be in season or maybe uh, in the off season as you're formulating your fantasy baseball draft board and getting ready for draft season? So I guess I would I would tend to use them more in season. Mm-hmm when we have actual on-field action to base it off of, right? Rather than, well, this is projected, but we're also projecting him for this, which then gives him an expected slug of that. Like we were talking before we started recording. Colby, what was Aaron Judge's expected slugging last year? 7-11. What did he actually slug last year? 613. He missed it by almost 100 points and still had 30, 30 homers in, what, 106 games played, 108 mm-hmm. games, something like that. Mm-hmm. So there's a degree to which you can take things with a grain of salt. There's a degree to it. Like, there's some in the camp where expected should be weighted way higher. And then there's some in the camp that are like, I'm not going to pay attention to it. I'm closer to the I'm not going to pay attention to the expected until we're in season right because based on projections you can't easily project like the expected numbers are based off of stat cast data right they're based off of uh, launch angle and exit velocity and actual real life tangible statistics mm-hmm. that then say well generally speaking so a ball hit at this degree and this speed winds up doing this this often. So we'll credit him with a double, even though he only got a single. And so now his expected slugging goes up because the double counts twice compared to a single, which only counts once, right? But in the preseason, you don't have stat cast data to base it off of. You don't have exit velocity, launch angle, um, you know, barrel rates. So is it something that I look at a little bit to get a general picture of, is this guy going to go up in his skill set, or is he going to kind of plateau or is this the beginning of the downturn? That's kind of how I use it, but I don't really rely on it on, Oh, well they projected him for, you know, 290 average, but his expected batting average is 333. So he's definitely coming closer to, no, it's just like, he has the skill set to be better than he is. I believe, especially, I think it applies in season as well, but mainly in the off season as we're going into it, expected statistics are used for validating your opinion on a player. Correct. If, if you don't believe in a certain player, like if I'm going to come here, let's just, I'm going to sort by batting average and expected batting average and go from here. Let's say you're the biggest Vladimir Guerrero Jr., fan for this upcoming season you're gonna look and say well his 264 average last year was an outlier because he was a 294 expected batting average so it's definitely rising this season on the other hand if you are anti jose altuve like if you go check out in the fantasy alarm draft guide where i write up jose altuve as a bust this year you will notice that i point to last year's 244 expected batting average as a reason that his average is coming down he's not hitting 300 plus again that's not going to happen the expected statistics are used for validation, honestly, on your already preconceived biases of a player. Correct. That's where it comes into. I'm not going to look and say, you know, 
let's say, for example, Jose Altuve comes out and is hitting absolute rockets on the ground. He's got a 95 average exit velocity. Won't happen. But he's got like a 3.2 or 3.2 degree launch angle. He's hitting a ton of ground balls. His expected batting average is, I, it wouldn't come out to this, 330 and he's hitting 200. You got to look at the other data too. If a guy's hitting that many ground balls, I don't want him. Right, because he's not producing. Just, uh, those aren't going to help anything. you. Singles, that's cool. That's fun. And Altuve is not going to run as much anymore. And again, those are all hypothetical numbers that won't come up. But it all comes to validating what you think. And that that applies for both pitchers and hitters. Expected ERA. Will I look at that? Expected sure. Win. Yeah. Will I look at expected ERA? Sure. I'm also looking at FIP. I'm also going to look at XFIP. Again, just like we talked about last week, fantasy baseball is a unique entity in that no one singular statistic by itself is the end-all be-all. They are all used in conjunction. There is way too much happening in this beautiful game for one stat to be anything. Look at it. Last week we talked about a player can have 117 average mile per hour exit velocity. That's awesome. That's insane. If he has a 73% ground ball rate, who the hell cares? Because guess what? He may hit home runs. Maybe. You know what I mean? It's one of those things. Then you have with pitchers. There are some people who outperform their expected statistics every single year, and it's gotten to the point where you just know that's what's going to happen. Guys who can run fast. If if I told you that a pitcher had 5.1 walks per nine and, you know, gave up a decent amount of homers, you'd be looking at me like I was crazy that I told you he won a Cy Young. Mm -hmm. Because the expected numbers on Blake Snell – we're not good. You can't walk that many dudes in a season and generally have a very low ERA. It doesn't happen. It's a blip, right? So, you know, it, you, you got to take everything. Colby said it perfectly. It's going to solidify your preconceived notions on a player, yep. right? Because here's the thing. Expected is going against league averages. Right. What if a guy plays against better defense the entire year than league average? Yeah. Right. Like Arizona's defense last year went from not great to one of the best defenses in baseball in terms of a uh, few errors, runs saved. Defensive runs above replacement, um, you know, DRS, whatnot. So if somebody played like for the Dodgers, plays against that team more often, and then they go and face, um, I don't know, more teams in the AL, which they usually don't play because now it's a more balanced schedule, the expected numbers are going to say, oh, well, you played the league, like, Taking league average, you should have done this, but they played against like four straight weeks of gold glove defense. It's going to kill everybody's numbers. <laughs> mm. Like, you know, just ask people who had to play against Ozzie Smith how many how many hits that guy robbed of people, right? So that again, I take it as part of the research. As was this like for Paul Goldschmidt? Is he really on the downturn? Or was that a blip because everybody in St. Louis had a terrible year? Right. Yeah. 
I mean, that, that's what it comes to. And like, even like I'm looking over here, like Yandy Diaz hit 330 last year, 301 expected batting average. Okay. Well, dive into it more. Career high barrel rate, career right. high hard hit rate. His right. fly or his fly ball rate actually dropped from years past, but 17.7 home run to fly ball rate, nearly six percentage points above his career. So when I look at stuff like that, if he regresses a little bit, he's not hitting 22 home runs again. His batting average can stay fine. But even when we look at something like that, I mentioned a couple expected statistics followed right, by the a bunch of others. Oh, I got to pull that up. Now you got me going to another site, but let me, I'll, I'll pull that up. But it's one of those things where like his jump and all that is explained by the actual batted ball data being vastly improved and home run to fly ball rate can be a little finicky at time, a little bit of luck. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Not saying Diaz is fully lucky. He's very good, but there's, there is luck involved. And last year expected home runs 20.8. So he wasn't terribly far off too above expected. So, right, but that follows with a guy who produces this exit velocity, this launch right. angle, and this home run to fly ball should put this up. Yep. And then, then you look your highs. So. And look too, it's one of those things where you go expected home runs by park. He'd only have, have hit twelve in Fenway. So a lot of times where you're playing can matter too. Right. And there that, that comes back to your example, batted ball data. Yeah, there was a perfect example of uh, Alex Bregman, mm -hmm. um, where he put up. How many did he put up in in Houston like last year or two years ago it was like 25 or something mm -hmm. home runs that he hit because he played in Houston but if you put him in Baltimore because most of his homers went to left field which is a shorter porch in Houston if you put him in Baltimore he would have hit like 10 home runs because Baltimore has the deepest left field in in baseball so mm -hmm. you know this is why I told people the, the Juan Soto thing was not a guarantee that you know, oh, the home runs are going to be great. Yeah, but his batting average may suck because Yankee Stadium is the worst park for getting hits from a lefty hitter in the last three years. Yep. Great for homer. Don't hit and it then, over the fence. It's tough to get hits. Absolutely. And then in season, I will tell you, I do love to leverage expected batting average and all those expected data, expected ERA in trade talks. Yes. You will in season – Hey, I know he's doing this again. You're validating a notion. Like I want to trade this guy. I'm going to pick, that. I'm going to pick and choose the numbers that I want to focus on. So, Hey, Hey, don't look at the 220 average. He's got an 8% barrel rate over the last three weeks, expected batting average of 280. This guy's bound to bounce back. And all I'm asking for is one of your top 15 starters. That's it. Like, <laughs> hear me out. Like in season, the expected statistics and being a little savvy with those numbers can help your team improve with some trade talks. And also maybe you're going to use it to buy, buy a bounce back from a player. That's as well. So that's how I like to leverage that data. Again, it just validates your preconceived notions of a player. If you want them to bounce back in 2024, you're probably going to try to find the expected statistics that indicate that. And if you believe regression, you're going to look at the expected statistics there. Matt, we've had a couple of free agent signings here. We want to touch on these really quickly, not dive too much into them. Again, you can read full write-ups over in the 2024 free agent tracker at fantasyalarm.com. That is, I believe that's free to look at, but of course it's in the draft guide as well. So Matt, a couple of deals. Texas is bolstering their bullpen. They added Kirby Yates earlier in the offseason. Now they brought in David Robertson. Jose Leclerc looked like he had the clear, he had the clear path to pretty much all of the saves. 
And now Texas brings in a very veteran presence in David Robertson. So how does the David Robertson signing, in your opinion, jumble up the basically the ninth inning of the Texas bullpen? I don't know, man. I, At least <laughs> I you're honest. To, I was talking to a, a guy in my home league last night who was like, yeah, I may have lost a keeper in the clerk because – Robertson I'm like well which version of Robertson do you trust the one that pitched for the Mets or the one that pitched for the Marlins mm-hmm. that couldn't hold the job when all he had to do was beat out Tanner Scott who decided not to get anybody out like what or are we just going closer by committee ride the hot hand like I don't know but I did pose you this question mm-hmm which of these three save situations are you more comfortable in heading into this year? Texas with the Leclerc Robertson and maybe Kirby Yates that was signed. Uh, the Padres who seemingly all they've done is sign relievers, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? They already had, they already had one signed to a multi-year deal. And then they brought in two, one from Japan and one from the KBO uh, or the Phillies who now don't have Craig Kimbrell and are back to their like seven headed bullpen monster. Which one do you have more faith in going into the season? Faith in the right one for fantasy. I think that's what it's going to come down to. I think, San Diego has so many options that I think they, they're they probably going to go closer by committee. I really like Yuki Matsui to take it over. What concerns about hand size? Well, he's tiny, man. He's like five yeah, foot I, six. I know. I just, I, I like him at some point to separate from there. And I like his ADP. I'm willing to take the well, risk. His ADP is nice. That's also where it's coming there into is play. Flores and there's, who the heck did they get from the KBO? Uh, Wusako. Yeah. So, also, yeah, I'm not I'm not, not convinced great, of him. Not a great name for a closer. Who's no, I'm not convinced of not... him getting ninth inning work. I, I no. think it's Suarez and Matsui. I like I like Alvarado to step up for Philly and hold the role. Over Kirkering? Yes. At least in the beginning. And we're gonna hope we're gonna hope that the lefty stays healthy <laughs> and can control the zone. That's the other thing we're hoping for. The tan- so we're, Tampa. We're crossing all fingers and. Yeah. and- and toes, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, my dog over here, I got his toe beans crossed right now. <laughs> that's what you're going to need for everything in that bullpen. The Texas one is interesting because I do believe Texas will not put Robertson in the ninth until he can shed the, uh, I want to say the stink, but I'll be a little bit more delicate and say the stench from the end of his 2023 season. Texas has big aspirations again. I think they're going to start with LeClerc, but his leash is significantly shortened with Robertson coming into the fold. But I do believe LeClerc's going to be the guy to start. I do believe they go committee at some point, especially if Robertson comes out in the first month and looks great and LeClerc is average at best, that's going to become a full-blown closer by committee. That's how I view it. So, I don't know. It, it's a very interesting situation, but I kind of already tipped my hand there. LeClerc's going to open the year as the closer. Robertson will get save chances, but he's got to prove that he's not Miami David Robertson. That is what has to happen. Matt, this one's near and dear to my heart with the Pittsburgh Pirates. They brought in a role to Chapman, one-year deal. Just screams they're going to let him 
pitch probably the eighth inning and then trade him at the deadline and try to recoup some prospects since he's on a one-year deal that's somewhat tradable. So do you have any, I'll get to my thoughts then, but do you think Chapman has any, let's say the league doesn't value holds, it saves only. Does Chapman have any value in Pittsburgh with David Bednar still there, despite me saying he's going to get traded for what feels like the past three off seasons or three mid seasons, excuse me. I don't think so. I mean, I don't either. We saw Texas couldn't put Chapman in the ninth in like key situations down the stretch. Right. I mean, he got out of it in the world series, but that was <laughs> a roller coaster of an outing. Um, yeah, I, I, I think if you're in a saves only, that Chapman has basically zero value until, or if Bed, like if Bednar gets moved at some point, then take a shot on Chapman. But who knows? Because we, we, there might be a different arm in that pen that they trust more than Chapman at that point. I don't know. There are some intriguing, intriguing arms in the in the bullpen there for saves and hold leagues. I think Chapman's very, very useful. Because if anything happens to Bednar, he does step in the ninth inning role. The Correct. only reason I don't believe – so here, here, you can look at this two ways. Pittsburgh could use Chapman in the ninth more than Bednar because they want to pad the stats, trade Chapman at the deadline. Chapman's on a one-year deal, whereas Bednar's not a free agent until after the 2026 season, looking at it here. So if you move Bednar out of the closer role – you're saying Aroldis Chapman's a better closer than him, potentially, and you're inherently reducing the trade value on Bednar. Because how can you look another team in the eye and say, this is a guy you want in the ninth. We clearly trust him so much to put Aroldis Chapman in the ninth over him. They have to protect the ability to trade David Bednar for as much as possible. They can't put Chapman in the ninth more than Bednar because you Correct. Pittsburgh should be banking on the return from Bednar, not Chapman. They're going to move Chapman. That's a guarantee. But they're not going to get a top flight. Anything. They have a better chance of getting a, a meaningful prospect for Bednar, who would still be under team control for the last half of 2024, all of 2025, all of 2026. And we know how relievers are priced at the deadline. Correct. Pittsburgh needs to protect Bednar's trade value. So I... Hey, if if people in your league are worried about Chapman coming in and Bednar drops a few spots in ADP, I'm jumping all over it. Um, also, I'm a little by the biased. Way, it's not like Bednar did anything to lose the role. It, no, not at all. He put up he, he was great. Yeah, he put up a 2.0 ERA. And by the way, going back to expected statistics, his expected ERA was 2.84, which by the way is not terrible either. So mm. he had 39 saves. Um yeah, I, there's zero reason that they're going to move Bednar out of the closer role. And I see projections, uh, Bednar having 32 saves and Chapman getting six. Yep, Bednar, Bednar is the one you want there. But hey, people in your league are worried about it. Let them let them not draft right. Bednar. You jump on the value. I'm biased, but Pittsburgh should win a good number of games this year. And we've seen in years with worse Pittsburgh teams that the closer puts up half-decent save numbers. So, because I mean, Pittsburgh can't blow anybody out. Here's the thing. Everybody seems to miss this point on on saves you don't need an elite offense to get a lot of saves from a guy you need a mediocre offense and a mediocre pitching staff to get saves from a guy because if you're the dodgers playing the pirates or the rockies you'd expect the dodgers to put up a bunch of runs and the pirates or the rockies not to score that many 
And then guess what? It doesn't matter who's closing for the Dodgers. You're not getting a save that day. Yeah. But if it's the Pirates and the Rockies playing each other, two mediocre offenses and mediocre pitching staffs, you could have like a 3-2, 4-2, 4-3, 5-4 game on your hand. And guess what? You're getting saves. You want closers from mediocre offenses. You don't want closers from the big, bad, huge, massive offense. How many saves did Craig Kimbrell have for the Phillies last year? When well, they were I, was, really coming? I was pulling up the Pirates. Bednar closed 39 games, had 39 saves last year, and the Pirates yeah. won 76 games. That's more than half. More than half. Because guess what? They're not blowing people out. Yep. And then you have like the Dodgers who won. Dodgers won 100 games last year. Let's see how many saves they accounted for. Really wish I had this pulled up beforehand, but I didn't expect to go into this deep David David Bednar rabbit hole into (laughs) closing and everything like that. So looking at the Giants. Okay, the Reds put up 53. The Reds had 53 saves last year and won 82 games. 53. So well over half. Their offense was mediocre for most of it. The Braves, the Braves, the star-studded elite Braves who won 104 games saved 52. So even if you're getting lucky, you're getting half of the game saved on an elite offense. Dodgers won 100 games last year. Evan Phillips had 24. Bruzar Gratterall Gratterall had seven. And then you got a handful of other guys. So They put up 44 saves and 100 wins. So less than half, 44%. Now, that's not to discount the elite closers, but there are some teams that, like, again, just because you're the ninth inning, like for the Dodgers, like Evan Phillips, who's probably going to be their ninth inning guy, but they're also kicking the tires on literally every reliever everywhere. I think the Giants may have set the record for highest percentage of saves. What'd they have last year? I know Duvall had a ton. They had 50 saves, 79 wins. (laughs) Yeah, that's got to be close. That's like 66%. Maybe more. Hey, winning games by only a little bit helps yeah, helps out the that, ninth I inning guys. I'm on this soapbox for like the fourth year in a row because people don't seem to understand this. Hey, but, that presents some that presents some good values in drafts though. Getting some closers. Up, yeah, sixty three percent of their wins were saves for the Giants. Nearly two thirds. Nearly two thirds. And the last one here. Speaking of a team that honestly, I think in 2024 should win some games and maybe not win them by a ton per se. The Cubs bring in Hector Neris. They already have Adbear Azale in the back end there. Neris is a very, very good setup man. But if you're asking me, I think Azale is the ninth inning man, and he's got a considerable lead over Neris for that job. Yeah, that's just Didn't me. They just bring in um, Carl Edwards Jr. back to the Cubs too for for old time's sake. I think he signed a one year deal. <laughs> he brought good. String Bean back. I'm not seeing. Um, I'm not seeing him on roster resource there. I mean, really, the back end of the pen is Alzale. Yeah, he's Naris, not going to say Merriweather. Yeah. yeah, and Merriweather. Uh, Those are the three in the back end. But to me, it's yeah. Alzale way ahead of Naris. I would agree. Naris had a shot with the Phillies, couldn't seal the deal. Alzale a has shown the ability, and he's the homegrown product, so they're going to give uh, credence to him in those situations. Yep. Over the last three years for uh, Hector Neris, 17 saves, 12 blown saves. Now he has also had a league leading 56 holds over the past two seasons pitching for Houston. So saves plus hold leagues, big, big bump for Neris going. In, he'll be fine in Chicago there. Saves only leagues. Neris takes a little bit of a hit because he's the 
He's not even the option 1B. He's option 2. Alzale is option 1. Oh, sorry. It's an NRI for Carl Edwards Jr. Mm. So, yeah, no saves for him regardless. That still holds true. Correct. But that'll do it. Make sure you head over to FantasyAlarm.com. Get your hands on the 2024 MLB Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide. Again, if you're already an All-Pro subscriber, you get immediate access. We have not one, but two cheat sheets. If you're not an All-Pro member, go ahead and join today. I still believe there's the, the annual price has a sizable discount to it, so make sure you check that out. If you only want the Fantasy Baseball Draft guide, you can purchase that as well. Just head over to fantasyalarm.com and you'll see when you go in the draft guide that there will take you a link right there that you can purchase. But if you want the URL, fantasyalarm.com slash pricing slash draft guide, you can get the draft guide only, or you could even just get the best ball cheat sheet only. Up to you. Take it there, but we'd love to talk to you in Discord. So become an all pro member. We can talk in Discord, answer any questions, keepers, draft boards, sleepers, values. We will have you covered there as well. Give Matt Sells a follow at the salesman over on X. I am at Colby R. Conway, and we will see you next week with the newest edition of Caught Stealing, the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast.